Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. All right, time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Keith, thanks for coming in on a holiday, Remembrance yeah, Day. Yeah, always good to be here. And I know you were, we were just talking off air as you were coming into the legislature building. They are. They do have a small Remembrance Day event happening at the at the cenotaph outside. Very small. The public's being asked not to attend. We don't want yeah. large crowds. There's about a dozen chairs there. Yeah. Um, again, you know, I've been to Remembrance Day ceremonies here. It's usually a f- before the pandemic, just like in Vancouver, Victory Square, huge crowds in Victoria lining the streets yeah. in government. Always a kind of an emotional moment as you see the veterans march down government street with their uniforms and medals and you've got the bagpipes and it's uh you know thousands of people yeah uh, um again pre-pandemic last year nothing happened this year we have a small ceremony just as we do in in many other places around the province uh again just a small maybe 12 14 18 chairs uh, near the cenotaph on the front lawn of the legislature mm-hmm. and again no crowds Right, and um, we're encouraging people to call the buzz line today. We'll play some more of your buzz line calls here in a minute with your tributes and memories to loved ones on on Remembrance Day. First, Keith, let's let's talk a little bit about the uh, current status of uh, pandemic. I know you covered this last night on the on the Global News Hour. And one thing people should be aware of: we know that the the vaccine mandate is in place for healthcare workers in BC, but that's going to be expanded now, right, to other healthcare professions. Yeah, so it's uh, in place now for people who work in hospitals and, and other uh, healthcare centers, but it's going to be expanded in the days ahead. Might come as early as tomorrow uh, to include family physicians and their staff, not just the doctors, and the, but their staff in the offices, uh, dentists and their staff, uh, pharmacists, uh, physiotherapists, naturopaths. Pretty well, every occupation in healthcare will be covered by the vaccine mandate. Over time, it's not going to be all done at once. It's going to go profession by profession. And uh, again, the colleges of, of the various professions are are working with uh, public health here to manage this and to ensure uh, there's as much compliance as possible. Let's listen to BC Health Minister Adrian Dix on this point, talking about that expanding vaccine mandate for healthcare professions. Here he is. We've proceeded because this is the right thing to do to ensure that everyone is vaccinated is the right thing to do. It's not easy, but it's necessary. Okay, it's interesting that you've seen other provinces, notably Ontario, Quebec, kind of hesitate on expanding that vaccine mandate mm. for healthcare workers. But in BC, there doesn't they don't seem to have backed down on it. No hesitation here. Yeah. Again, you just look at the stats. Seventy-two uh, percent of the hospitalizations of COVID are unvaccinated people. Yesterday, one hundred seventeen people in ICU. Um, one person in their teens, an eighteen-year-old. Two people in their 20s, 13 people in their 30s, 14 people in their 40s, all but two of them were unvaccinated. Yeah. So the vaccina- the vaccines work. And so it's still astonishing. Um, as of a few days ago, 906 nurses had refused to get vaccinated. They're now on um, on unpaid leave. They're not in the healthcare system anymore. We, obviously, we want them back in the healthcare system. So next week, we're supposed to get some Johnson & Johnson vaccines, probably right. 30,000 to 50,000 doses. There's a number of, of unvaccinated healthcare workers who have indicated they will take that vaccine. So that should drive the number of unvaccinated healthcare workers 
from about 3,040, which is the current number, probably down, uh, you know, a bit of a climb down because I think a lot of them are going to get the Johnson & Johnson. But again, the, the mandate is about to expand. Is this an example of maybe some people who don't want to take the mRNA vaccine, like the Moderna vaccine or the Pfizer vaccine, but they'd be willing to take a different type of vaccine, the yeah, Johnson & Johnson? Well, I think they're overthinking things. Billions yeah. of people have taken the mRNA vaccine and have protected themselves. So mm -hmm. um, why they are refusing remains a bit of a mystery. Okay. There's some good news, though, right? Are we getting on top of this thing? Are the numbers well, the going down? Yeah, the, the case numbers, week to week, the case numbers are going down. Not dramatically, but they are going down in number. The hospitalizations remain stubbornly high, but they seem to have stabilized and gone down a little bit. They go up and down, you know, every day, but, you know, by and large, a, a stabilization there. The ICU numbers remain consistent. About 70 people a week are going into ICU. It's not going down, but it's not going up, which is great. Where there's a bit of a um, concern, the number of people dying from COVID-19 has gone up since September on a weekly basis. And again, most of those people are over the age of 70. Let me ask you about uh, a story that jumped out at me, and I know you follow American politics closely. Yes. And, you know, we look at the present situation with uh, Biden, Joe Biden, and his approval ratings, not great. Mm -hmm. he's, going through, he's gone through a bit of a tough time. And a lot of people wondering, will Trump try a comeback in 2024? And he hasn't ruled it in or out. But, man, he is raising a lot of money. He has got uh, several sort of fundraising packs, you know, political activity committees, just raising mm -hmm. like a million bucks a week. Yep. He's raising a ton of money. So he must be, and the know, is, he, is he going to run again? Oh, it sounds like he is. The Republican yeah. Party still remains captured by him. Yeah. Uh, they've not separated themselves from his style of politics. They're all still in his thrall. The Democrats, I mean, just a couple of elections, uh, Democrats just had a bit of a setback. They're beset by infighting. They've got uh, the AOC faction versus the Biden faction. He did get his infrastructure bill through, which is a yes. trillion-dollar bill, which is huge, but which yeah. is a major victory for him. But the Democrats are riven by insider fighting, internal fighting. Um, and then you've got Trump on, on the horizon there. I think he's going to run. I think it's going to, he's going to be competitive. Yeah, and when you look, I mean, 2024 is still a long way out, but the uh, the American political process basically never ends. No. And the, the fundraising never stops. Trump's raising about a million bucks a week. Uh, and if you look at some of the opinion polls on who would be the likeliest Republican nominee for president, Trump is number one by mm -hmm. a long shot. Yeah, there's, so, no, there's a, anyone uh, else is a, a distant second to him. Yeah. Again, that party remains fixated on him, and as does his base. And an interesting signal from Trump this week that he is planning to run again was he's starting to take shots now at some potential rivals, notably Chris Christie, the former Republican governor of New Jersey, maybe considering a run for president. And Trump went after him the other day saying that this guy was a guy who left office in scandal. His approval ratings were in the, in the, in the sewer. And have a listen to this now. This is Chris Christie, the former New Jersey governor here, kind of returning fire at Trump the other day. Have a listen. He said, everybody remembers that Chris left New Jersey with a less than 9% approval rating. What do you make of him like saying you had a less than 9% Michael, approval rating? Look, I'm not going to get into a, a back and forth with Donald Trump, but what I will say is this. When I ran for re-election in 2013, I got 60% of the vote. When he ran for re-election, he lost to Joe Biden. Um, I'm happy to have that comparison stand up because that's the one that really matters.
Okay, Chris Christie's in conversation there with Mike, Al- uh, well, Mike like Allen from Axios. It sounds like he's in the fight, so Christie's yeah. not going to back down. But again, the, the, I think both parties are in danger of tearing themselves apart. Yeah, and uh, you know the other one is the money. Like I'm just, I, I just took a look at, at this morning at the Trump fundraising, and he's got like multiple packs raising money. You go on some of these sites, and you can buy all kinds of Trump souvenirs. Signed baseballs. Oh yeah, uh, Christmas decorations. I mean, you you name it. They got Trump's uh, name and logo and I his get, signature on it, and they're making a lot of money. I get inundated with uh, emails advertising uh, Trump items to buy to to contribute to his campaign, and the the emails. Any political reporter gets these emails. Once you get on one list, you get on all the list. And I've noticed in the last few weeks the number of emails associated with Trump, a Trump comeback is really yeah. is really increased. Yeah, it's really there. That's going to be that's going to be fascinating. All right, uh, as we as we mentioned off the top, Remembrance Day today, and we've got special Remembrance Day programming on the show today, including your calls to the buzz line. So again, I encourage you again if you have a loved one who served in the Canadian Armed Forces, you want to pay tribute to them today on Remembrance Day. Phone the buzz line, leave a voicemail with your memories, your tributes on Remembrance Day, and we'll play as many as we can. 604-331-BUZZ is the number. 604-331-2899. And we'll play as many of your calls as we can. Let's listen to some right now. Here are some of the calls we're receiving on Remembrance Day. Give a great big hug and thanks. Uh, Not too many of them left um, of the um, uh, service uh, by the uh, Merchant Marines. Without uh, uh, the merchant marines, uh, we would have lost the war. They were the supply ships. His name was Eddie Harry Haddad. He's deceased. He's a father, a husband. Uh, He served in the Royal Canadian Navy in Korea. He was Canada's Outstanding Athlete of the Year in boxing. I'm remembering my dad and two uncles who were in the First World War. My br- brother in the World War II, and they, he was killed in, in action over flying over Holland, the RCAF. So those are the people I remember this today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, welcome back to the show. Keith Baldry is my guest. It's Baldry's Beat. Phone lines are open to them. 604-280-9898 is the number to call. 604-280-9898. Star 9898 on your cell. Uh, the BC legislature on a short break break here, but they're back again for a continue of a fall session, right, next week? Yeah, the session that, again, the legislature sort of travels along well below the radar since the pandemic began. People aren't really paying much attention to it, but there are some issues that 
are in there. Uh, the change the funding for autism, for example, is a hot potato. That is a uh, big fight, man. Yeah, uh, the Liberals have raised that uh, in the House. I expect yeah. that's going to be a, another issue to come up next week. The continued uh, discussion about deferring massive amounts of old-growth timber uh, likely to, to surface again. There's, but again... The NDP is benefiting from the fact, and you and I have talked about this many times, politics has just become this lower temperature because of what the, what's happening with the pandemic and the impact on your, your own personal life and the economy. So a lot of political issues fall by the wayside, but they're starting to reemerge. So two more weeks of the House sitting, um, and we'll see just what kind of fireworks are there. I wonder if the government underestimated the potential backlash on that autism funding reforms that they brought in, because what they are doing is they're moving away from per-family funding mm. for families that have autistic kids and moving to what they call a centralized hub system, yeah. where and they're trying to say, oh, it's going to be better. It's going to be streamlined service. It's actually going to be improved for these wow. families. But there's a huge backlash. It kind of reminds me a little bit about when the liberals cut the bus pass for disabled people mm-hmm. and got this fierce backlash from that community and just didn't seem to be aware or didn't anticipate the, the backlash yeah, they, that they should have. The government's hoping uh, that they can get by with, trust us, we, we yeah. know this is going to work. But you've got families in various, you know, uh, tense, precarious situations are not are quite worried that this is not going to translate to better news. It's going to be more bureaucratic, uh, less serviceable, and less funding. But uh, we don't know how it's going to play out, but it's certainly uh, touched the nerve. Right, and for families that are, are touched by autism, they're they're very organized, Mm-hmm. And um, they can put a lot of pressure on this government. Well, the Liberals so, found themselves also um, under pressure from that community for, for yeah. various at various times in their administration. So the NDP, it was interesting why they did this. It still hasn't been really... There's a lot of unanswered explained. questions. There, there are. Yeah, okay, we will continue to follow that one closely. Phone lines are open, 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Let's go to your calls. Rick in Port Moody. Hi, Rick. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. I just want to, uh, before I get started, just acknowledge how important it is today is to remember those that are gone and those that fought and um, mm-hmm. bless them all. Um, I did want to touch on uh, your comments about Biden and Trump. Um, it is going to be really interesting. I love watching what's going on down there um, and uh, you know, seeing the swing from uh, the mid-teens to, to Trump coming in and all of the emotions and how, how things were handled. I, I really think, in a nutshell, if you really want to cap it up, w- w- the biggest problem the Democrats are going to have is Biden himself. I mean, having Biden in there is the best thing that, that the Republicans could have ever had. He has really shown himself to be a very poor, poor example as a leader, no more different than what Trump was. So um, unless they do something there and also get rid of that really or separate themselves from that really far left fringe group of the four horsewomen um, and, and kind of get back into the middle stream, they're going to get annihilated in the mm-hmm. 22 and in 2024. Trump will make it back in again, plain and simple. Yeah, so the Democrats are uh, playing with fire by allowing that uh, squad. In in the American context, it is a fairly left-wing rump of the party that suddenly has an outsized bit of uh, influence on the party. And the caller's right. I mean, the Americans are very much, they're not very left-wing. It's a conservative country. And the Democrats have to be careful if they stray too far to the left. They're going to alienate a lot of those uh, swing states. Yeah, and if it it turns into kind of a Trump-Biden fight again, you know, we've already already seen Biden beat Trump once. So you might think, well, why wouldn't he beat him again? But Biden's approval ratings have gone down. Trump 
can raise a lot of money. He's already showing up. He's got like a hundred million bucks in the bank right now, and we're well, like Dem- three years it, out. The Democrats have a lot of money too. I mean, yeah. there, there's just a huge amount of money in American politics. But both parties have huge amounts of money. So Trump's raising money, but the Democrats are raising money as well. Yeah, and then it, it, they got that never-ending system of uh, primaries in the United States as we get as we get closer to this. I mean, we're still kind of a, a year Bi- out. Biden from this. versus Trump in the next time is not going to be like Biden versus Trump last time because now Biden has a track record. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Biden, he, Biden is not offensive, but he's not inspiring, and that's that may cost him uh, come the next election. Trump, some of the memories will fade of his offensiveness, uh, his coarseness. Although he'll put that on display at a, at a moment's notice. Uh, but again, I, I wouldn't discount him.